All right, JB, let's dive back into the AFC matchups we got going on here. The Miami Dolphins, oh boy, and the New England Patriots. <laughs> Talk about a crazy little matchup here that we have. We might even, if Tua ended up being the starting quarterback, have a little Alabama-Auburn rivalry going on on this, on this one. Yeah, and I don't think that's going to happen. I think it'll be Fitz to start. Tua will probably earn the job later in the season when they're, you know, one and whatever. But um, I think the story here is the Patriots without Tom Brady. It's been 20 years since the Patriots took the field without Brady on the team, and he's been the man to lead them out of the tunnel in almost all of those years on opening day. So we hear a lot about the quarterbacks in their camp rotating so far, and most are expecting the, the starter to be Cam Newton. Now, we know what Cam's capable of doing, as we saw when he was the MVP of the league in 2015, but we haven't seen that Cam in a while. He's been beat up. He's missed a lot of time with injuries, so there's definitely understandably some question marks here with this offense. I mean, Cam is being drafted in fantasy drafts in the double-digit rounds, mainly as a quarterback, too. He's not being drafted as anyone's quarterback one, but they're thinking, hey, if I grab him this late, he has the upside of a QB1 if he's healthy. But that quarterback situation there also affects the pass catchers. Mm -hmm. Look at draft positions of those wide receivers. Julian Edelman, who with Tom Brady under center was usually a third-round pick, He's now being drafted in the sixth or seventh round range. The other receivers, Nikhil Harry and Mohamed Sanu, who you know I love. I talk about Sanu all the time. I tweet about Sanu. I wrote articles about Sanu. Those guys are getting drafted way later, somewhere in the teens. What this is telling me is that a lot of fantasy managers are afraid of this New England passing game with all that uncertainty at quarterback. You feel that way too? I do, and I don't necessarily want to take any of those wide receivers uh, I, I think Julian Edelman is the most appealing one. Mohamed Sanu has been, uh, I don't know, disappointing since his days in Atlanta. Every once in a while, he'll have that game where he catches a touchdown, and you're like, okay, it's time to get this Mohamed Sanu fired up. And then it, the next week, you're like, what in the world did I do that for? You know, that, that's, that's, that's kind of my feelings about Mohamed Sanu. And like you said, Julian Edelman's floor was always the most appealing thing about him. But that was a completely different system. I don't know that his floor is still as high as it is or as it, as it used to be with Tom Brady under center. So I'm really itchy and scratchy about having uh, Julian Edelman on my team. Yeah, I have avoided Edelman. I haven't taken him even at that sixth and seventh range point. Just been other guys there that I think, like you said, have a higher floor because you don't know. Edelman, we knew, had that floor because we knew he had that rapport with Tom Brady. We don't know that anymore. We don't know how he'll click with Cam Newton or whichever quarterback's taking the field there. But I do think that Mohamed Sanu at the late teens, going in the 18th round to the 20th round even, that's a guy who I'm targeting everywhere. I know you said he's been hit or miss, but he's always been one of the most shorthanded receivers in the league. He's been working extremely hard coming off that ankle injury, hired a coach to live with him to work nonstop. I think he's focused. He met up with Newton as soon as Newton signed with them. So he's already working on the chemistry. Uh, Edelman and Sanu were working on the side with Cam yesterday or the day before. So one of these past days in practice while the special teams were working, Cam went off to the side with Sanu and Edelman. So I think Sanu's a guy who uh, I know I'm targeting him everywhere. But for those of you listening, I think if you're getting down to those late teens and you know, obviously it's getting barren down there with options. Mohamed Sanu is going to be the value that you're going to find that you're going to go, wow, a couple months from now, you're going to go, thanks, JB. 
Well, I, I'll have to believe you on that one. I'm not seeing eye to eye with you on there. And even when I see him that late, I'm still looking at somewhere else. I don't know why. I just, I've been burned by that Muhammad Sanu fantasy log many a time. Is there any running back? Now, seriously here, there's so many different running backs we could choose from across the league. Is there any running back that you want at their draft position in this game that they'll be playing in this game? Yeah, I was on... Jordan Howard a bit. Um, I know Howard Bender from Fantasy Alarm's been beating that drum since the beginning of draft season. Um, we were able to get him around the 10th round mark, and I think that's where I got him in Scott Fishbowl. And in the 10th round to get a starting running back, especially a young one. You know, you, you don't realize how young Jordan Howard actually is. He's not an old guy. So to get him in the 10th round, absolutely, I was all over that. Now, lately, he's been going a lot sooner. He's been going earlier at around the 7th or 8th round. So I find myself, you know, if he's there, maybe I go with him. But that's usually the range that I'm I'm hitting that quarterback tight end area. So I've been missing him a lot. James White's a guy that if there's a couple of rounds later, you want to get a guy who in a PPR league obviously has that high floor. He's going to he's going to catch the ball. He's going to produce out of that backfield as an eighth round guy, which is where I see him going a lot. I'll certainly grab him as my running back three or four to have that PPR upside. But those other guys, I'm just, I'm not in on Brita. Brita's kind of the quote unquote pass catching back in that offense, but I don't think that he's going to get as much play as people think that he will. And the other guys in New England just don't excite me. There's been a lot of Damian Harris talk, and you can probably get him in the 12th. And you know what? If I'm getting him in the 12th or 13th, maybe I'll take a flyer if there's nobody else there that's that's mm-hmm. looking at me. Right. Um, you know, if I'm deciding between taking Damian Harris or Darrington Evans, then, yeah, I'm going to take Damian Harris there. But I'm not going to be targeting him or Rex Burkhead or Sony Michelle, who knows if he's going to be even healthy enough to play this season. They're already talking about him missing week one. And yeah, I don't know. I'm not taking Lamar Miller, who they brought in to fill that role, who still hasn't even practiced. So those backfields are murky and scary. Yeah, and that's tough. I guess James White is probably the uh, the best option out of all those if you if you want that just because of his past. But even this year, I'm not sure that you do. All right, as a JB, we we got to start going, man. We got we got to start going here. We got a couple more games that we're never going to make it through. Let's see, Philadelphia Eagles at the Washington football team. That's going to be tough for me to remember this year. The Philadelphia Eagles, just so many different faces on the wide receiving core. None of them that I recognize. I don't trust any of them. And on the Washington side of things, I'm not sure that we know what to expect from a fantasy standpoint. But, man, there could be a lot of great value for that football team. Yeah, and this is a good one for us to kind of cut down on time because there's really not much to talk about on the fantasy front here. You know, Washington has Terry McLaurin, who's going to eat and he's going to be good. But, you know, we don't know what we're going to get out of Haskins and how often he's going to be able to find him. I think the biggest thing to watch in this game is the running game on both sides. I'm a big Miles Sanders fan, and I have him on a few places, but he was injured last week in camp, and he's being listed as week-to-week with a lower body injury. Most reports say he'll be ready for the start of the season, and the fact that the Eagles haven't went out and signed a veteran back like Devonta Freeman or somebody lead me to believe they're not too concerned about it. And then on the Washington side, we know the disgraceful reason they won't have Darius Geis, who is supposed to lead the team on the ground. But what we don't know is who will be shouldering the load now. The 
the ageless wonder, Adrian Peterson, is my guess to get the bulk of the work. He has the experience. He's reliable. But there's also been a lot of buzz lately about the young backs, Antonio Gibson, Bryce Love even. And the fantasy world's been talking a lot about the two young guys. And I'm even seeing Gibson being the first one taken of this group in drafts. He goes around the eighth round. And in this beat Rudy Gamble draft that I'm in, I just grabbed Adrian Peterson in the 12th round. So what do you think of that backfield? What do you think it ends up looking like? And which back do you like better at these draft positions? Boy, I don't know. It's That's a tough call. And I sure did like in that one draft that we were in, I think we've been in a couple, where uh, I was able to get Bryce Love at the very last pick of the draft. And I still don't think that he's really shooting up much higher than that. So if I'm going to gamble on somebody on an unknown quantity like you have in that Washington backfield and you don't see things shake out, if I'm going to take somebody, I'm going to probably take Bryce Love just so I can, if I'm going to roll the dice, I, I might as well shoot for the stars. Yeah, um, I think I think where you're getting him is actually worth the the price that you're paying for him. I just don't know how much volume he'll be able to get. You know, I think he's the third in the pecking order out of the three guys that are there. So I just don't know if he'll get more than, you know, eight touches a game to make it worth it for you. No, I agree, and that's why I said I may stay away from it altogether. I I don't trust rookies, and he is, in my world, a rookie, even though it's in his second year. He just didn't spend a lot of time even near the playing field last season because of his injury. So I'm, I, I think I'm just staying away from that Washington backfield. Yeah, it's gross, and, and this game is gross, so we can go yeah, ahead and move let's, on. Let's, let's go. <laughs> if you don't get Terry McClurin, just don't get anybody. How about Yep, that? forget the Washington <laughs> football team. <laughs> Las Vegas Raiders at the Carolina Panthers. Wow. Yeah, you know what, Wes? These are both teams that I'm honestly really unsure about coming into this fantasy season. And Carolina, of course, is the 1.01 in most leagues, Christian McCaffrey. But they also have a new head coach. They have a new system. They have a new quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater. So they have the fantasy weapons like CMC and DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel and even tight end Ian Thomas is expected to have a productive season. But I just don't know how that offense will play out. And then on the other side, the Raiders brought in Marcus Mariota to back up Derek Carr. So they don't know how their offense is going to play out. They brought in a pair of solid rookie receivers that are getting a lot of buzz. And they already have target machines, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro. So it's another confusing team to peg for fantasy purposes. I, I don't really have much feeling on either one of them. Do you? Well, I, I'll tell you what, you, you bring up Marcus Mariota, but I've watched him play a lot here in Alabama because he you know, played for the Titans for all those years. And if there's anybody that I could classify as being a poor man's Mitch Trubisky, it would be him. <laughs> yeah. so, I, I, there's not a competition there. Derek Carr, that is Derek Carr's team. And uh, I, I think that he's going to lead that team to some fantasy relevancy, especially with Darren Waller sitting there. Uh, as his uh, tight end, I think that that guy's going to have a hundred targets easy. I don't care who came in. I don't care what kind of rookies you brought in there. I love Darren Waller this season. And as far as the Carolina Panthers go, I think their offensive coordinator was LSU's offensive coordinator last season. So I am not too worried about the short yardage game. And that includes the CMC dump offs and, and different things like that. I'm not sure about DJ Moore. I really hope that it's like a situation like we talked about earlier. Somebody picks DJ Moore before I have to choose to pick him because I don't necessarily want him, 
But at the same time, it's like, okay, this is going to be the year. And then I end up hitting the draft button and I'm like, I wish I would have picked somebody else. So I I would almost rather wait for Curtis Samuel or Robbie Anderson if I was going to pick any of those guys. I'm staying away from Ian Thomas. I'm just I don't want anything to do with that. Yeah, and gun to my head, if the, if I had to pick a wide receiver in Carolina, it probably would be Curtis Samuel because, of, like you said, Joe Brady coming in as the offensive coordinator. And if you see what Jefferson did there last year under mm-hmm. Joe Brady, I think Samuel fits that role here in Carolina. So gun to head, if I had to pick one of them, it's Samuel. But I think with a new coach, a new system, and a new quarterback, it's an offense I'm avoiding. And, you know, we talk about late-round flyers a lot of times. You got one wide receiver in Las Vegas who is just way down there at the bottom of drafts. And I understand that his target share may be a little sketchy. The man Hunter Renfro down there looks really appealing late round. Yeah, he, he's been a PPR gem at the end of last season. You saw a lot come out of him. And that's one of the question marks that people are having with Waller this year is, you know, Waller's target share went down once Renfro started to establish himself last year. And that's one of the things that's been worrying people and knocking Waller down a little bit off of their tight end rankings. Personally, I don't have Waller in that top five like I would have last year. Waller was a late round draft pick last year, but Mark Andrews and Darren Waller were those two sleeper tight ends that if you weren't reaching up for the Kelsey, Kittle, Ertz group, those were the guys I was waiting on. And I ended up with Andrews and or Waller in almost all of my leagues last year, and that definitely helped. But I think that there's a lack of volume that's going to be there this year. I don't think he's going to eat as much as he did last year. And I, I could be swayed the other way, personally. That's just how I feel, that once Renfro started to establish himself in the slot there, it started to take away from Waller. So I'm curious to see if they're able to coexist and if Derek Carr is going to be able to pepper them both. Yeah, I, I can... I can understand those concerns, and I even have a little bit of concern, not a lot, but a little bit of concern of Witten going there in the offseason. He he had a lot of targets last year and was pretty successful for the Dallas Cowboys. And if nothing else, I just – I the same as Greg Olson, the same as Larry Fitzgerald. Whenever you get down around the goal line, those guys know how to work that that little goal line, that little red zone area. And, I mean, Witten has been a touchdown machine. And there's something that John Gruden has said about his coaching ability, and that was that he failed his team in the red zone last season, and he's looking for ways to improve on that. And then you bring in a Jason Witten. That's the only way. That's that's the best way I saw that he improved it from last season. So, yeah, I, I, I can understand the Darren Waller hesitation, but, man, that guy was awesome at the beginning of last year. He really was. He really was. Let's see if he could duplicate that. I think he'll come down a little bit off of that. And I still have him in my top seven, top eight range. Um, But coming down to it, Waller and Ingram would be a tough decision for me. Waller and Gesicki would be a tough decision for me. I still probably think Waller's better, but I might pick Gesicki just because I'm so high on him this year. Yeah, a lot of hype surrounding him. I remember when Andrew Luck was the general, I think he called him, or major, I don't know, called himself, of the Indianapolis Colts. And he had that Twitter handle where he would always tweet out like he was the general of the team or something. Do you remember that? I don't think that that was him. I think it was a parody account, and it was well, hilarious. It was a captain. I think he was captain. Yes, it was hilarious. So, so 
now that Captain Rivers is going <laughs> into Indianapolis to lead a fourth quarter comeback, rally the troops uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars that week one. I don't know what I want to do with this team. They, both of these guys are uh, fantasy teams are, are are driving me crazy whenever you have to pick between the two of them. Is there a fantasy star that shines bright out of these two teams? Well, we know the Jaguars organization is an absolute mess, but yeah. the one thing that remains is Leonard Fournette leading the backfield. And he could get traded during the season since it's surely his last one in Jacksonville. But he's a guy we see going in the third round of drafts, and he's usually going as a team's running back, too. So he should certainly score more touchdowns than he did last season. And the biggest question to me is if he does get traded, where will he land? If it's somewhere that he's the lead back, then he'll definitely pay off his third round value. But if he gets traded somewhere that'll see him in a timeshare, you're not going to get a return on your investment there. So he's a guy I've been trying to avoid mainly for that reason. Do you have Leonard anywhere on your teams? I don't. I don't think so. I don't, it's, it's hard to keep track of. <laughs> Of that many drafts, of that many drafts, but I don't think that I have because I do. It's the same situation as I see happening in, with that with Minnesota and Dalvin Cook. They just the front office and the player have not gotten along over the years, and I don't know what kind of atmosphere it's going to brood for uh, him, especially if the Jaguars start losing. They're not projected to be a very good team, and if they start losing, I don't know why he would play down the stretch for him like he did last year. He showed a lot of maturity for me last uh, with his continuous play all throughout the year. I, I think that his, that his target share is going to take a bump with Thompson going there as well. That's the reason why you bring a Chris Thompson in there is, is so that he can receive passes out of the backfield. So I think that that's going to go down for Fournette. And they just make make a switch to wanting to see what Armstead, is that his name, Armstead? Yep. And they may make a switch at some point just to know what they have in, in Armstead there. So I don't want to draft Leonard Fournette. If I do draft him, I'm hoping that he has a bigger game than he did last year so I can trade him. Yeah, and if you do draft him, I certainly agree with you. You should be grabbing Armstead also just in case that happens where Fournette either gets traded or decides to quote-unquote get an injury and not want to play anymore. Um, I would certainly grab Armstead and have him there as a handcuff. And, you know, real quick, I, I know we're running a little long, and this is great that we're doing this. We're getting into every single game at the 1 o'clock slot, 1 o'clock <laughs> Eastern slot for week one. Um, it's given you a little bit of a dive into the fantasy oh, aspect of each of them. So I think it's really cool that we're doing this. But I want to touch on the other side of the field real quick. The Colts invested a second-round pick on Jonathan Taylor who we're also seeing being drafted in the third round of the drafts. He has Marlon Mack still in the backfield, and he's being drafted several rounds later. Marlon Mack's usually going in the eighth or the ninth round, even after the coaches came out and said that Mack will still be the starter. Now, that could be coach talk. It could be, mm -hmm. you know, giving the incumbent the respect that he deserves. I think Taylor can be a beast behind that offensive line, but I haven't seen myself being able to go up into the third round to get him yet. I'm trying to, and I'm going to try to go and grab him in an upcoming draft or two just so I don't have FOMO and I get myself a share in case he does become the guy that I think he can be. But let me ask you two questions here, Wes. Okay. Number one, do you think the better value is Taylor in the third or Mac in the ninth? And to follow up on that, would you rather spend a third-round pick on Taylor or on Leonard Fournette? Oh, double-barreled doozy right there. <laughs> okay, let me say this really loud and clear. Marlon Mack is a man. Let me just, I'm, I'm just going to say that. He's a man. 
And you can't come in and just take a man out of that position. All right. I understand Jonathan Taylor is a as a wide receiving stud is, you know, he's a running back reception stud. And I know what he's going to do there. Marlon Mack is still going to get those receptions. And uh, but Marlon Mack runs the ball so hard, so well, so strong. And he's he's man strong. You know what I mean? Like he's just he's just got that look about him like you're not going to tackle him. And I love that about him. I'm, I'm sorry. You're a rookie. You're going to have to find your way onto the field, and you're going to have to find a way to get Marlon Mack off the field. And I'm not going to be the one to tell Marlon Mack, hey, this rookie's going to start starting over you. No way. I'm not. <laughs> whoever, whoever has to tell Mack that, I feel sorry for him. Well, Who Taylor's I, twice the size of Mack. Have you seen the pictures that they've shown of him? He looks like a matter. monster. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Mar- I mean, that, that'd be like going to uh, Mr. Evans on good times and trying to give bring him some bad news about something. It's just not going to happen for me. Uh, you're, you're right. And I think what I'm scared about with that, Wes, is that if there's a game or a combination of games that Mac is struggling a bit and Taylor gets the opportunity and he does something with it, mm-hmm. I think this organization is ready to hand the keys to Taylor and if they have an excuse or a reason why to do it, I'm afraid they might take it. I, I would agree with you. And I'm, let me let me re- let me say this part on your second question. I am not man enough to take Taylor in the third round. OK, <laughs> I just I can't do it. I, I can't do it. I, I'm not a big rookie guy. I, I don't like I like to know what I'm getting and I don't know what I'm getting with that. And so I am not man enough to take him. So I would take Fournette over Taylor yeah, okay. early in the draft. Okay. All right. That's that's probably more my problem than it is his, but uh, it's still my problem. I ha- I've been off of rookie running backs all off season also, but I think I will have FOMO if he takes over that job. So in one of my home leagues or something, um, maybe in the pros with Joe's, if, if my Joe mm-hmm. is a Jonathan Taylor believer, I want a piece. I want a piece okay. just to say I have him and I don't miss out. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this advice for you. If, wherever your Joe is from, that's that's you gotta you gotta help him out a little bit you know gotta get his guy you gotta get his guy wherever he's from. That's right. Uh, all right. So, is there any wide receivers here? This is such a, a jump it up. T. Y. Hilton is always one of those guys. I've said it before. He's on my radar of not players not to get, and I don't think that Philip Rivers going there is changing my mind on that at all. But now T. Y. Hilton is always the guy I wish I would have got. So I don't know that there's anybody in the Jacksonville Jaguar wide receiving core that I want. Do you see anybody? No, DJ Chark is the guy who everybody loved last year. And I think it, it was just because they like saying DJ Chark. Do, 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 do. So I, I think he's a good receiver, but I don't know what to trust with Gardner Minshew under center. Um, you saw him be hit or miss last year. I mean, he was kind of a guy that was just kind of running around, running for his life and would make yeah. things happen sometimes and would make bad things happen sometimes. And that's why he ultimately ended up losing the job back. So I'm really not targeting anything on that Jacksonville receiver side. On the indie side of things, though, in the 12th round or so, I'm looking at Michael Pittman. And I think that he's a guy who the Colts came out and said that they expect an early season role for him. They expect him to be somebody who comes out from the jump and has a defined role in that offense. Um, I saw a report last week that he was building quick rapport with Phillip Rivers. And again, could be training, training camp talk, but... They're saying that there's a quick rapport being built there, and I think that he's a type of guy that, especially with T.Y. Hilton's injury concerns and really not much depth behind them there, 
on the wide receiver tree. I think Pittman's a guy who can certainly contribute to fantasy owners late in the draft. Yeah, Phillip Rivers is used to throwing to big, tall wide receivers uh, like he had in San Diego. And they don't have a lot of big, tall wide receivers in Indianapolis. I don't know how this is going to go over well for Phillip Rivers. And I love Phillip Rivers. He's he's from right down the road from me, actually. Oh. He went to high school, high school right down the road from me. Huh, that's interesting. And that's a good point that you bring up, too, is he likes the big, tall receivers like a Mike Williams type. And that's why I think Pittman at 6'4", 220, is going to be one of his favorite red zone targets and one of his favorite targets in general. All right, last but not least, the Cleveland Browns at the Baltimore Ravens. Woo, Lamar Jackson getting fired up here at the last uh, 1 o'clock game or the early games on Sunday. That's going to be an exciting offense again because you just how do you stop Lamar Jackson? You can't. You can only hope to contain him, right? Right. (laughs) You know, certainly the Ravens and Lamar are one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl this year, and he was the fantasy darling last year, and the Browns are just trying to live up to the hype they weren't able to live up to last year. And most of the reason they weren't able to is because of the inconsistent and even poor play of their quarterback, Baker Mayfield. I mean, we know Lamar is a fantasy football cheat code. He single-handedly won people championships last year, and that's why he's being picked in the first or second round in, in most fantasy drafts this season. But both of these quarterbacks have star-wide receivers. Baker's got Odell Beckham Jr. to throw to. Lamar has Hollywood Brown on his side. Odell's being drafted at the back end of the third, maybe even early fourth in some drafts. Hollywood can usually be had around the middle of the fifth, maybe even sliding into the sixth. Which of these number one receivers on these teams do you prefer at this early part of your draft? Wow, that that's a really hard question because I try to stay away from Odell. I try to follow the good quarterbacks uh, around the NFL, and I can't do that if I travel to Cleveland. I, I'm not following a good quarterback there. So I'm, I don't have any kind of confidence in Baker Mayfield this year. So I guess I'm going to have to go with Lamar Jackson because of all those touchdowns that he threw. And I know Andrews is a big recipient of that. But, man, the, Hollywood could take a big step forward this season and maybe turn into one of those, I don't want to say elite wide receivers, but definitely move his way up in the tiers. Yeah, I agree. And he's a guy that, I've, of course, in the best ball, you want a piece of if you can get him. Um, but even in your standard leagues and your PPR leagues, I think he's going to be a guy who tries to take a step up in this offense. And you, like you said, Andrew's going to command a lot of attention and a lot of targets. But outside of Andrews, it's Hollywood and Bust. You know, there's nobody else on that wide receiver core that Lamar's going to trust and, and go to like he does Hollywood. And I know Hollywood is... Uh, been bulking up in the offseason while timing himself so he wanted Mm -hmm. to get stronger and build muscle while timing himself and making sure he wasn't losing any of his speed which makes him as great of a receiver as he is i'm looking forward to see if he does take a step up to that next tier of wide receivers this year and i'd be interested to have a share of him in the fifth now, what about these running backs? Uh, it's, it's crowded backfields in both of the backfields here. I don't know that I want any of these backs necessarily unless one falls to me. I'm not going. I'm not. I'm not high on Nick Chubb, but everybody else is. I feel like I'm missing the boat on that because I missed it last year too. Uh, what are your thoughts about the Cleveland backfield? Yeah, actually, both of these teams have two running backs that are highly talked about coming into the draft season. Mm-hmm. Like you said, on the Brown side of things, you got Nick Chubb, and he's got the one-two punch with Kareem Hunt, and they're both highly respected backs, and fantasy managers love both of them. Chubb did 
suffer a concussion last week, but from what I hear, he just cleared protocol and he's put his fantasy managers at ease a bit with that clearing of protocol. Um, a lot of people think, and I do too, that Hunt will cut into some of the workload and he, he definitely will. So that gives some hesitation to take Chubb at his draft spot. Chubb's usually being taken at the late first, early second round area. Um, I do think that they'll use Chubb and Hunt both on the field at different times, but Hunt can be had later. He's usually going around the fifth, maybe even sixth round. And a lot of times you'll see managers trying to grab both. I can't spend a six-round pick on a split backfield guy mm-hmm. or a high-end handcuff, even with all the upside that he has. So I probably won't have much hunt myself. What I will spend a sixth-round pick on is Mark Ingram on the other side of the ball. He's been falling to the sixth round, and I think a lot of that is because he's got the rookie, J.K. Dobbins, getting a lot of hype. And this is rookie hype off season. So the fact that people are talking about Dobbins so much and and just the fear of having Dobbins in the backfield has made Ingram fall down draft boards at a great value. I I do think Dobbins will have a good career, but for 2020, give me all the Mark Ingram shares that I can get at the sixth round of drafts. It's his backfield. And that's been happening to Mark Ingram uh, ever since he's been in the league. It seems like he's sharing some kind of backfield. But every time you sit there and look up at the end of the season, you're like, hey, there's Mark Ingram again. Hey, there's Mark Ingram again. And so he always proves to be a, a great draft day value more times than not. I'll tell you another back that I'm looking for is Gus Edwards. And, and I, I'm, I, I understand I'm still that guy who thinks that a rookie has to come in and get a proven veteran. And Gus Edwards is that now. I think at this point he has proven himself in the league. J.K. Dobbins is going to have to get him off the field. And, uh, you know, there's some loyalty whenever you talk about the Harbaugh's and, and whenever you talk about Coach Harbaugh. I think there's some loyalty there. And to me, Lamar Jackson enjoyed Gus Edwards being in the backfield last season. And man, Gus Edwards is one of those guys that runs hard too. And and I understand J.K. Dobbins is is a physical freak and he could do all these things on the football field. But Gus Edwards was no slouch. No, you're absolutely right. He's Edwards has proven himself to be reliable. He's reliable. He's consistent. He's not a flashy guy, but he does that dirty, gritty running. You know, he does that that Baltimore-type style running, you know? So he's definitely a guy who will have a role. You know, he has a lot of competition, obviously. He's not going to be the guy. Ingram's the top dog on the depth chart. But I do think you're right. I think that Edwards and Dobbins will definitely both be fighting for second fiddle to Ingram. Is Hooper going a little bit too high for you this year? Austin Hooper, the new tight end for the Cleveland Browns? Yes, yes. I'm I'm not high on Hooper. I just think there's too many mouths to feed there. Um, where he's going in drafts is in that, I guess, second tier, you want to call it, of, mm-hmm. of tight ends. Or maybe even third tier if you're putting Kelsey and Kittle on their own tier. Um, I, I'm not touching them. I, I think that there's, like I said, there's too many mouths to feed. There's not enough volume there. Now, if he's fallen below into the Herndon range, the Gronk range, the oh. Jared Cook range, then yeah, maybe I'll take a shot at that point. But if I'm going between Austin Hooper or Mike Kosicki or Hunter Henry or even Hayden Hurst, yeah, I'm not taking Hooper there. There's just too many mouths to feed. Obviously, people are looking at what he did last year, but that was the Atlanta offense. That was the highest passing offense in the league. Right. Cleveland's going to throw the ball a ton, but we just talked about the two great running backs they have. So there's not enough volume going to be there for Austin Hooper for me to have a share. 
And and I'm not drafting Baker Mayfield anywhere. And I think that you feel those have those sentiments as well. I, I do. Um, in a best ball, I actually took Baker in the 13th round as my QB two, um, just to have that shot at the upside. If he has one of those big games where he throws for a few touchdowns, maybe he slides into my best ball lineup. But in my home leagues and in, in anything where I'm setting rosters. Oh man, it, it it hurts to have to click to start Baker Mayfield and and not know what you're gonna get and where it's gonna end up. It's one of those set your lineup, close your eyes, and you know go out for the day and not watch football. <laughs> JB, that was fun to go through all those games. I don't know, maybe we should have said this may end up being a two parter. We'll have to see about this. But uh, it has been great to talk football with you it's only two weeks away jb and we will be actually watching the games and talking about what happened on the field instead of prognosticating about what's going to happen in a month from now or however long we've been talking yeah that's super exciting i can't wait to have that actual games to recap and i think what we did here today yeah it was long but it was very interesting to talk about each week one game and the fantasy players that we're drafting, because we're in the heat of draft season right now. All the leagues are scrambling that haven't really been thinking about it, and they're all scrambling to get their draft set up. So I know I got three or four coming up this week or so. So I know a lot of people at home are in that heat of the draft season. And what we did here to just outline the, the high fantasy players or the talked about fantasy players in all while incorporating all the week one games i think it was pretty cool and yeah i think it'll help a lot of people i do too we're going to talk about the second half of that uh and on the next show where we'll talk about all the three o'clock games and later i think that first week is always that double monday night or two that's oh and i can't wait to talk about the four o'clock because my buccaneers are playing the saints in week one and that's going to be a great game i can't wait to talk about that one that's three o'clock my time. I, I know you're up there in, well, in the New York. Four o'clock to normal people. <laughs> normal people. What does that mean? You, you know, if I pick a time zone, I, I think I'm going to pick the central time zone over all all the time zones there is because you guys got to go to bed really early in my world, and the the L.A. people they got to go to bed way late. You know, and so they they if the games kick off, if the games start at a certain time, they're coming home from work at those times, aren't they? That's that's crazy. You're right. You definitely have the more ideal time slot. It's just the least talked about one. You know, people talk about uh, Eastern Standard Time or, or, you know, Pacific Coast Time, but nobody really refers to, oh, catch this show coming up at three o'clock central time. That's because everybody's (laughs) jealous of Alabama time. That's why. (laughs) Well, that's because time doesn't really matter as much there. You know, we're scrambling. We're rush, 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 rush. You guys are chilling, man. I, I envy people in the central time zone and the Alabama area and in the, you know, just chilling, just, you know, not rushing around like we are and just taking life as it comes to you. Sometimes I wish I was, sometimes I wish I could live that life and not be in the New York hustle and bustle. Anytime you want to come down here, JB, you are more than welcome to, and I will buy you a bag of fried chicken gizzards and livers from the local (laughs) convenience store. Hey, thank you for listening to the Fantasy Peddler Show here on Fantasy Impact Today Network. That's what we're calling it this week. If you have any suggestions for names, you can send them over to me, Wes Easley, on Twitter, at Loafinit, or over to JB. You can find that Draftmaster himself on Twitter, at FantasyCoachJB, and all his written work is on the Razzball website. To find out more information about the Pros with Joe's charity event, head over to, to Twitter, 
at Charity Pros Joes. You can find all the past podcasts and articles at the website, fantasyimpacttoday.com. You can also sign up to have alerts sent to you every time new content comes out. You can follow the show on Twitter, at FI Today with a little underscore, and find all the latest podcasts from uh, Fantasy Impact Today Network over there. You can visit the show and leave a recorded message at Anchor FM. If there's any questions about anything that you would like for JB and I to cover or discuss on the next episode, just hit the little microphone. You might even make the show with your recorded message. Hey, Fit Fam, I need you to please push the stars and subscribe to the show on the iTunes app. We would love to hear from you, so leave a comment or review there as well. But more important than all those actions, the Fit Crew here at the Fantasy Impact Today Network would like to encourage you to go into the world and find a way to make a positive impact in someone's life today.